Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast hosted by Corey and Shauna Burris. They are a former pastor, a college teacher, and Pacific Northwest coffee lovers. Mostly, they are Jesus followers who find themselves in lots of interesting conversations with non-Christians, former Christians, wondering Christians, and young adults from all kinds of backgrounds. And we want to invite you into those conversations. The Bread and Cup podcast is a place for real talk about the Bible, life, and what it takes to move beyond the easy answers. So let's grab a cup and join the conversation. Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Shauna. Today we are enjoying a cult brew. We're doing this a little later in the day, along with some homemade red velvet cupcakes with a buttercream frosting. That our kids made. Yeah. Well, with your help, because let's be honest. Well, the buttercream was all me, but the cupcakes were all them, and they did a great job. Them in the box of red velvet <laughs> cupcakes. Mix. Hey, you know, but. red velvet's tricky. So... Um, this week, though, we are talking about um, what does real relationship look like? We are currently recording this in the middle of COVID. And so... and Although, will, to be clear, we're not actually sure that it's the middle. This could be the true. beginning of year 12. We don't know. Or it could be the end. That's it could the be the end, crossed. we're hoping. <laughs> but, but that's ultimately what this comes down to, is we're in the midst of this time where I think a lot of people are sitting at home, because we have to be, yeah. and they're going, man... I really miss time with my friends. I miss time with my family. I miss this this closeness. Um, even the organization I work for, which does a lot of things on on uh, social or uh, kind of helping people with familial issues and things like that, we do a lot of support on that front. We've found that a lot of people um, feel disconnected from everything else and it brings on other anxiety and depression yeah. and it brings on a lot of other things things that we don't always equate to relationship yeah. but show the importance of what relationship is what relationship means and yeah. how does that keep us kind of connected to the greater to a greater purpose yeah so to speak interestingly i've i've had a couple conversations lately with people who were busy with what they thought were friendships and relationships and in having to pull back are finding that they're not actually missing them as much as they thought they would. And what that's done is help them reflect on, well, what was that relationship actually as significant as I thought it was? It was, you know, that, that group of friends or those, these couple people, um, they got a lot of my time and my attention, but now when we're forced to be apart, I'm not actually, my life isn't fundamentally worse for their lack. There, there maybe isn't tension and stress there, which is an, the sort of opposite and interesting part of relationships that we're going to... Is that why that person didn't call me back the other day? You know, I'm not going to say that's <laughs> yeah. between you and that person. Yeah. yeah. So, but but, it <laughs> but does, you know, maybe you should call them and check. <laughs> but, it, but it does bring up the question of like, what is the purpose of relationship, right? Like yeah. what, what does it bring to us personally and where does where does relationship come from how are we built around the idea of relationship and yeah. i think that it's something that we all talk about it we all say it's important to get to, to hang out with people it's why people yeah. as they get older go into old folks homes is because they want to be around other people Did, old folks homes really? well yeah like i don't know what they're called like i think it's called assisted living yeah old folks okay. homes you know but <laughs> like but people know what A i'm retirement talking about community Old folks homes. So like people go into an, like an old folks home because they want to be together with other people like themselves that have the same uh, like background and, and that are that are, have the same free time and all of those things. I think that's sure. a pretty normal thing. And, and people, when they're left home alone, they get there's depression that hits. And it's yeah. because 
we really are are created yeah. with a purpose of relationship. That's true. Um, um, Aristotle so. says that um, humans are social creatures, is how he words it. Um, but certainly, anthropologists have said that um, he, the human being, Homo sapien, is a herd animal, right? That we, for whatever it is, whether whatever your perspective is on how humans came to be what humans are, um, it's very well established that we pod up. We right. just do. And and we, we do it naturally and we do it sometimes fiercely. Um, and that there are some really um, beautiful evolutionary benefits um, or, you know, just survival benefits to being a herding mammal. That when we stick together, um, we help protect each other. We help share resources. We help share knowledge and safety. Um, but, you know, there's so much more to whether or not it's just about resource, right? Even though we're still doing that, so much of what you do in your job is about human sharing resource um, for equity and equality and and the greater community benefit. And that's held up as a beautiful thing. It's almost universal um, that, that it is seen as positive when humans who have more share with humans who have less of whatever that is, whether that be, um, you know, money or time or um, experience or whatever it is, right? That that is something that humans sort of universally admire and share. And so I would argue that that's because it's intrinsic to who we are. Right. And I think that what what kind of echoes that is this, like you see it in our kids, right? So we have three kids. We have a um, 17-year-old girl a, I'm going to screw this up. 14. 14 year old. I was going there. I was yeah. almost there. Was 14 year old girl, to... an 11 year old boy. Yep. And um, each one of them is very, very unique in their need and how they play out the need for relationship in their life. Totally. Right. And you and I play things out differently. I mean, totally. in the midst of what we're doing right now, which is the social distancing thing, I'm an introvert, but I find myself wanting to sit down and hang out with people way yeah. more than you do who would yeah. are typically seen as an extrovert. Right. Yeah. And so I, and then you look at our kids, we have our oldest daughter. She wants to, she's like, I want to be with my friends. I want to go and hang yeah. out with them. And she gets energy from going out and doing that. Our middle daughter, she just needs to have like this back and forth with one friend, and that is what kind of gets her going. Yeah. Our son right now is downstairs playing with his youth leader on video games because that human connection. Yeah. He's is, our most extroverted right. family member. Yeah. yeah, and 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 he need like I mean he he like like vibrates when he knows that he can do that right. Yeah. And so I think that it even shows up, even if it shows up differently in each human yeah. being and in a unique way in a lot of ways, I think that it still shows that it transcends your personality. It transcends yeah. who we are, which, which is, again, comes back to why we, we as Christians, believe that we were created this way, right? Yeah. And, it, and I think it is... Very, we always go back at the very beginning, right? The first couple yeah. chapters, it's at the beginning... You know, the whole earth is created and man is plopped in there and man is plopped in there in part to be, it, well, not in part, but wholly to be the image bearer of God, but also to be in relationship with God. And yet, despite that, shortly thereafter, the, com the, the Bible, the verse, I stumbled over that, says, oh, it's not good for man to be alone. 
he he needs and the wording is a helper suitable for him but it, it means a counterpart he yeah. needs it's we fair warning we are not the wifey kind right it's this is that is an equivalent partnership is how we that's our perspective so if that's not yours forgive us in advance for how that's going to show up in the rest of the story i don't know that everybody understands what you mean by that but okay well subservient <laughs> wife like we don't believe in and and like yeah anyway but that doesn't case, matter a helper suitable only because of that but that it means a counterpart it means yeah. a, a community relationship and then they're charged with be fruitful and multiply not just like have lots of babies but that image is like create create a tribe of humans create more than just the two of you it isn't just it's not good for man to be alone you need a woman by your side that the language and the imagery is this of it is not good for one human to be solitary that human needs a counterpart and in the balance of those two, there is a replication and a growing of human community through that relationship. Yeah, and I think that we we strive for that, again, because it's reflective of our relationship with God yeah. in the sense that... Um, we we were created with this need for community with him, right? right. And again... You know, the, now the God situation is not equal partners necessarily, but no. but it is equal involvement, right? Like yeah. we are we are all in in a relationship sure. and, and whatnot, and then there's that that yeah. back and forth. And but we still need that relationship. And the ways yeah. and saying in the same way that God longs after us, we long after Him, right? Yeah. It's not a we're weak and without God we're 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 dirt. It is oh we were created with purpose to be in community with him. Right. And we realize our we realize our potential in the scope right. of that community um, with God. And that God created us exactly for that. That that yeah. that was what yeah. And so we um that order and purpose of humanity is um part of what relationship comes out of. And that that community when lived well, right? Community when lived poorly, when tribes tribe up and they they tighten up, then you have discord, right? My tribe matters more than your tribe. Mm -hmm. And I'm I will point out that in the US we have a fair amount of that right. on social media. And that is all I'm gonna say about that. We will do a uh, politics one holy, at some point and then we'll holy moly. But probably not for a hot minute because it Maybe is very not much in this calendar year because ooh, of yeah. right them and us. This is my tribe and that is not my tribe. And yet the biblical view of it is despite God setting the nation Israel apart, that set apart was meant to be an example of how humanity was supposed to interact. So it was not a set apart and, you know, forget the rest of you. It was a this I'm going to use this one tribe as an example of how this is supposed to be. And how this is supposed to be is a man as a matter of community peace, right? The, the early language of the Bible is that there was just chaos. It was sort of wild and waste to, to borrow from um, Dr. Mackey, but it's this picture of just nothingness, no life, no purpose. And then 
Tovu Ravohu, there's order. And then after that comes order and purpose and structure. And humans play a role in that, right? And that part of our role in that is bringing shalom. It's peace in our community. It's why in the Old Testament you see things like Year of Jubilee and why you see things like um, really unique, the, the Mosaic laws were not unlike other laws given out during that time, like the Code of Hiram. However, they were very distinct in that it was not, it was not the same type of punitive. It was all about preserving community. So if you, you know, kill someone's cow, this, this is the repercussions for that. And the, the um, Mosaic law wasn't so much about you did that and therefore you die. It was about you do this and this is how you make restitution so that there's restoration of balance and harmony again. And I'm, you know, I think that is as far as my expertise can take me on that subject, but hopefully that you're understanding that, that the, that the, well, not the Christian, but the pre-Christian biblical, the same God perspective is one that community is about peace. It's about shared justice, shared well-being. It's about restitution and resolution of hurt. It's sort of this acknowledgement like, yeah, humans, you, you're not great at being humans. You, you kind of suck sometimes. You harm each other. And this is the cost of that harm to put things back into balance. And then, of course, Jesus comes and he's like, wow, you guys really just can't get, you, you just really can't human. So let me show you how to human. And that means to fight for the prostitute, fight for the widow, fight for the leper, fight for the tax collector. And, and all of those were marginalized, judged, oppressed people groups, right? Yeah. Resolution, community peace. So I think that like we're, we're going to unpack that whole concept here. But as we do that, I think that the key thing to remember is that community peace is where your focus is, right? Like if you start yeah. putting your focus on internal peace, which I think we, we tend to do as, as humans, we tend to go, man, how do I find yeah. purpose or how do I find harmony? How do I find, um, well, certainly the, um, the sort of culture, Western culture perspective that happiness is the greatest right. measure of success, like personal happiness, right? which, but, is, but ironically to get to quote unquote personal happiness, I believe you have to walk through community happiness and yeah, peace, absolutely. right? Because yeah. that, again, we get back to, to find personal peace, you need to find, um, your personal purpose. And if we are created for community, then our personal purpose is how do we create community peace, right? right? And so it is this idea that like, instead of going directly after how do I make myself happy? How do I become the best me that I can be? What if you start with, man, how do I create, put myself in a position of, of, giving into the community and into my, yeah. into the relationships around me so that, and then inadvertently you become, you find your purpose, you right. find the peace, you find all of these things that, that would have, that lead to that in, in, in yeah. goal. I would word the question like this. I would say, instead of saying, 
What should I do to make me happy? It, my, the question I tend to ask myself is, how can I use the things I'm good at and the things that I enjoy doing to benefit my community? So it's not about abdication of self. It's not, right. I'm going to do whatever the community needs at the cost of my gifts, my talents, my abilities. It's that I believe I am talented and capable and good at some things. Apparently right now it's sourdough bread. And that when, so how do I use the things that I'm good at and that I enjoy doing? How do I use that to benefit the people around me? Opposed to how do I invest in my own talents, abilities, and whatnot to find my own happiness? And I yeah. think that's, yeah. somebody might say that we're arguing semantics, but it's, to me, it's not semantics. Right. And when I, and I will say that having taught multiple years now, you know, in this college program where these are the very questions that we end up spending hours wrestling through, it isn't semantics. That shift in perspective has been profound for more than a few students. Um, well, and how many times have we sat down with someone and, and had a conversation with them and they're saying, well, what I, I feel this way and I feel this way and yeah. I feel this way. And what you hear them doing is literally just wallowing in their own self-interest, right? Yeah. And and they they sit in it and they allow that to um, to dictate who they are as a person. Sure. So when they fail, well, I'm a failure, right? Right. As opposed to going, oh man, God has created me, or I am this type of a person, sure. and I have these things, and. I'm just going to go out and use them. And the moment you start doing that, I think things, this light bulb kind of switches in your head yeah. and you start seeing yourself from a different perspective. More, totally. I would say more in the way that God sees you, right? Sure. And the purpose behind what you do, not just as a, just, not just as a worker bee, but actually having a purpose to create honey. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I, I like that bee and honey. Yeah. Thing. That's I thought good. you like analogies, so I thought I'd throw I, one out there. I love a good analogy. Yeah, and that so. bee and honey one is a pretty great one. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what constitutes a real and a healthy relationship. Um, and I think that um, we... Let's start by looking outside of the Bible, because I think it's really easy to be like, well, Jesus is an example of what healthy relationships are, this, uh, you know, yeah. it's and to get flowery in that way. But suddenly how, none of us get married. We gather up 12 friends and we become nomads. Like, right. Yeah. But there but there are there are tangible things that that help us identify what a healthy relationship looks like. Right. And if sure. you look outside of the Bible, you look at, you know, I mean, we all know of people that that you you can look at friends or you can look at people that are dating and you can go, that is not a healthy relationship, right? And, yeah. and a lot of times we can identify that it's not a healthy relationship, but we aren't quite sure why sure. that's not or a healthy relationship. we're in a relationship ourselves yeah. where we, we begin to suspect, I don't think this is actually how this is supposed to feel. Right. Like there is a, there's a measure of like, I, I like that other human, but I don't think that this is how friendship is supposed to go, or this is how family is supposed to behave, or whatever yeah. that label is. And, you know, while family and romantic and friendship and coworker relationships all have different levels and different expressions of what that relationship is, they do share some 
pretty key characteristics, I think, when they're healthy. Yeah. Yeah. One of the first ones I think, and we we throw this around in the circles that we run, I hear this word a lot. So I'm going to sure. throw it out there, but we'll, we'll explain what we mean by it. And that's authenticity. Yeah. And I think that the reason it gets thrown around right now is because... Brene Brown. Well, I, I don't know. It started from vulnerability. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But... But I think that the concept behind it and the idea that people want this authenticity yeah. is because we don't actually have a lot of authentic opportunities to have strong relationships, right? Sure. Where either our, our, our conversation is crafted around like social media interactions, mm. um, texting interactions. And so when, and those are avenues of conversing with people sure. that are really, really easy to hide what's actually happening behind the scenes, yep. right? It's really easy to craft. I, I always call it like the Instagram version of yourself, right? right? Where you, you know, you if you turn your head a certain way, you don't have double chin. And if you do, if you put it up a little bit higher and you, you know, you have bigger eyes and all of these yeah. things that we do as tricks to show people that we are different than the reality of who we are. Yeah. And, and so, so people I think do and need and crave this neat or this thing called authenticity sure and so that, i think that yes Brene brown and there are people that have that have identified it but even more so now in our culture i think that it's become a much bigger need because nobody sits down with you and says how are you really doing right sure and there are some sort of fault social media also opens up the uh, what i would consider faults authenticity mm. that like, well, this is just the real me and I'm just a hot mess and here I am sweaty in my hot mess, dirty kitchen. I'm just being real with y'all. Now, I'm not hating on that because sometimes you do need to do that, right? Especially if you have a large enough platform that people tend to see you doing things really shiny and really pretty. Um, and that putting something out there where you, you're owning, today was, today was hard. My kitchen is a mess. That can be an invitation towards authenticity, but it's false authenticity when you're really just sort of throwing that out flippantly or you use it as a shield. Well, y'all, I'm just a hot mess. You're just going to have to, that's just the way I roll. Like, mm, you know, um, messy hair don't care. Now, 100%, I will put my hair in a bun and it will be messy. And on those days, huh, I might not care. So again, it's not a matter of judgment, but it's that distinction between Let's not pretend that genuine authenticity is the same as just putting all your ugly out there. Yeah. Because in genuine authenticity, it, it carries deep truth and deep honesty, but it also carries it in the realm of what is appropriate for where you stand. So you can be 100% authentic in a business meeting with people and clients you haven't met Obviously, that is not the moment where you're going to share your deepest fear or your ugliest truth or your realest real, but it doesn't mean that you have to be inauthentic. Mm. And the same thing happens with every layer you move in, right? There are times where we go to social gatherings where it's maybe it's a girlfriend's, for me, it'd be a girlfriend. For you, it, it might be, say it's a couple's I don't hang out with my girlfriends. <laughs> That's good. Um, a couple's anniversary party where we're both invited. And we go, that's not the moment for you and I to share some deep struggle our family is going through, right? That doesn't mean that we're not being authentic or real or honest with the people we're around. And that's really the, to me, that is the, the, 
the golden nugget in that overused word that when you are authentic, you are open and there's, there's an openness there. There's a trust there and there's an ability to push pull. But for me, that authenticity begins with honest self-evaluation. You cannot be authentic if you can't be honest with yourself. And, um, well, let's talk a little bit about that idea of pushing and pulling. Cause I okay. think that that is, that is something that for me, I, we, we started talking about this about a year ago. We were in a small group and, um, we, the people that were there, um, we had a lot of that push pull relationship. Yeah. And we, we were able to kind of eventually circle around and go, that's the thing that we love about yeah. these relationships. But, um, but I don't know that everybody has that type of idea of push and pull. And what we sure. mean by that is that you you can push onto somebody. If somebody says something, you can go, hmm, I don't think you mean what you mean when you yeah. say that. Or this is what I hear you saying. Is that what you're trying to say to me? Right. Yeah. And a lot of times we put it, we don't want to say that because we don't want to call people out. We think we're being yeah. rude. But when you're in an authentic relationship with people, there's not trust. only do there, and there's trust, yeah. right? Not only do you want that, not only do you feel comfortable to do that for them, you actually expect them to do that to you. Yeah. And I think that's the part that where, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be in relationships. I mean, we're talking about deeper relationships here, yep. right? This isn't, like you said, you know, we go over to a random friend's house and you meet somebody. This and is it's not like, your new work colleagues. Like, right. it, this yeah. stuff takes time and there does have to be. There has to be trust. And sometimes that's lended trust where you're getting to know someone. They haven't earned it yet. You have to lend them that trust to, to go down this path. That's okay. But trust has to be there for push-pull yeah. to happen. But you, but you do need to have people in your life that you, you expect that you are – they expect you to push on them and you expect them to push and pull on you. Yeah. And so there's this back and forth, literally like a tug of war, so to speak, of this this situation where you're not you're fighting for the other person as much as they're fighting for you, right? Yeah. And so it, then it becomes back to what we were talking about before, communal peace, right? The yeah. goal, my goal is that you have wholeness. My goal is that you... Live out your best potential. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes you're doing... We, Sometimes oh. we need other people to help us do that, right? Not sometimes. I right. always, because your blind spots are blind spots for a reason. You, right. you are never going to see everything that that you're doing or acting that's standing in your way. And there are, um, there are things that we have accepted about ourselves or our lives or our backgrounds that actually aren't true, but we picked them up in high school or we picked them up in our first job or we picked them up from maybe an early romantic relationship and and we've we've bought into a lie that we now carry with us as if it's truth and because it feels true to us we're never going to look we're never going to say oh that's not actually i'm operating on a false premise we need other people who know us and who care about us to say why why would you do that? That's yeah. that's totally not in line with who you are. And it gives you an and it's a safe place because they believe great things about you. They believe the best about you. And they can say, uh, that doesn't that doesn't seem right. Yeah. Can I mean, you help me understand why? Yeah. And it should be a flag in your life if you 
if every relationship you're in are your people full of cheerleaders, right? Yeah. If you're always surrounding yourself by people that are just like, you're so great, you're so this, and don't ever go, hmm, why did you choose that? Why yeah. did you go that direction? You said this. What were you thinking in that way? Yeah. If you don't have people that are challenging in that way, I would, I would, I would say, oh, here to we you, are. We will challenge you. Yeah, like <laughs> I would challenge you to look at it and go, man, do they not trust me, or do I not trust them? Because yeah. I think that piece of the push and pull is that's the missing piece, right? Yep. Like if we don't trust each other, we're we're not able to do yep. a true push and pull, right? You and, and I push clear, and pull a lot. We do. We're great at push and pull, right? But yeah, we trust each other in a, in in. Yep. I mean, because partially because we're married, and but but not all marriages. But we're even. still we'll be married twenty two years in a couple of weeks, and we're still married because we trust each other, yeah. and because we can push and pull. Like not not every marriage, yeah, gets to twenty two years. Yeah, yeah. A few of you listeners who don't know us, you're shocked now because. You think we're younger than we are. It's cool. We got married at like 12. So. Not really. It was close though. It was, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. There I mean, are pictures st- on the internet oh, of us. Please don't look them up. They're terrible. Um, but I'm so glad we're married. And I, I love being married to you partly because of the push and pull. And that's, that's an artifact of my upbringing. My, my family of origin is really good at debate. And. There is debate, and then there's push-pull. And sometimes those things are the same, and sometimes they're not. So for some people, they experience debate where everybody gets to yell at each other and swear and whatever, or, you know, however their family expresses that. But people actually get their feelings hurt, and they walk away feeling like they're combative all the time. Right. And that's not the same as push-pull. Now, you can have those hard conversations and have it be push-pull. And so push-pull is distinguished by there's trust on both sides. And to be clear, not everybody deserves your trust. And you, depending on who you are, may not actually be worthy of trust all the time. So good push-pull has trust on both sides. And that in the midst of those conversations or at the end of the conversations, both parties walk away feeling closer to the other person and having some new insight. And sometimes that's a new insight about yourself. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you will push back on me and it helps me learn something about who you are. Yeah. Even if your intent was to point something out in me, I'd be like, oh no, I'm actually really settled in that. Oh, except for that means that Corey's not understanding it or that means that the the way that I'm displaying it isn't, right. isn't inviting Corey into it or whatever it is that sometimes it gives us insight into the other person. And so those are characteristics of push-pull. Yeah. Always. And so be careful with that as you as, yeah. as you begin to generate that. And it's not a... Yeah, and like you're... I think what you're saying is like it's not a license to be in... Say I almost used a bad word. Yeah, and not nice person. Word. Yeah. It, it's not a license to not... To be... <laughs> yes. A, you I'm know, trying to you think know, of another like, way to say that. I wish we had like the beeper thing like they have on the Goldbergs, you know, where it's like, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not your, it's not a license for you to just be overly candid with everybody and yep. push people around. And, but again, coming back to that's why it's all encircled in trust, right? Yep. And, and you need to, to be aware of that as well. And you're saying it for their betterment, whether or not it benefits you. Exactly. And, and that's, 
you know, sometimes you can go into relationships and sometimes it's necessary, especially if there's some sort of leadership, mentorship, or um, uh, vocational role where you are lending trust or asking for trust and giving feedback. And it, and you do need them to obey. If you're the boss and you're going to your employees and you're saying, hey, um, you need to change this, this, and this. I, you know, I believe in your ability, but these are markers you need to hit. Those markers need to be hit, right? And that can feel push-pull in the workplace if you believe in them and you want them to do well and they trust you. But there is a measure of they have to obey. And so there's all these funny different layers to what push-pull looks like in different arenas. Right. But all of it comes back to authenticity, which means that both parties trust each other, that they want the best for each other, however that lays out. And um, I'm going to move into the next piece, which is um, there is self-awareness on both parties' part. It is very, very difficult to be in an authentic relationship where there is healthy push-pull growth on both sides towards each other and personal growth when there isn't honest self-awareness. And and I will, I'm, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead on that idea because um, you may be in a relationship with somebody or have somebody in your life. I, I've had family members and, or we've had friends that were not self-aware. Yeah. And I would try to have a discussion with them and being like, hey, listen, I think you are being this. Yeah. And all they'd say is, nope. And they'd shut you down. Yeah. Right. And then that changes that relationship in a lot of ways. Sure. Right. And and so this idea of knowing um, yourself is a big yep. kind of push, I think, in, in modern psychology, right? Like yeah. think of all of the tests. I'm sure you can list them all that we've had to take. Not all of them, but a bunch. Right, yes. like the... There's MBTI. There's Enneagram is the big Enneagram, one in Christian circles yeah. right now. Um, but there there's also even, Strengths Finders. There's Love there's Languages. The Love Language, yeah. Uh, uh, Brand, Berkman. Berkman, that's it. Yeah. I was mixing, yeah, right? Berkman is a college. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Berkman, <laughs> the Berkman test. I mean, there's certainly several others. Those are pretty large, well-known um, ones. And right. used in a corporate world too, MBTI and um, StrengthsFinder especially. Berkman. Yeah, and, yeah. and they're, they're great things because what they do for us is they help us become aware of who we are. But what I actually, I actually did like the Enneagram thing a little bit, a little bit. Really? That's surprising. Okay, y'all. Corey hates those things. He's well, not so much about being labeled and categorized. I hated the process, and I hated when people would say, you're a blah, 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 and yeah, I'd be like... but you're not allowed to do that with Enneagram. Well, they do it, so... I know they do. You're and such I, a typical five. I See, and that. <laughs> I don't like that. I know. I know. But, <laughs> but I did... What I liked about pieces of that was this idea that we would go through this process, right? And at the end, it would help you go, you are... I don't like the, you are this. Sure. I loved the, do you, like, I actually think I helped identify myself by looking at what was, what motivated me to do things. Yeah. And I started going, oh yeah, I am motivated by that. Yeah. And that helped me be a lot more reflective yeah. on why I acted the way that I did. Yeah, why you made the choices you yeah, did. Yeah. Like, 
I thought I was making it because of this altruistic thing, but the reality was I wanted to control this situation or I wanted mm. to do this thing over here. Yeah. And that was really, it, it was really good to do that. Yeah. And I remember, um, sorry, back to story time with Corey, but like, I remember with our I small group. I think that's group, why they listen, actually. Well, maybe. I, with our small group about a year and a half, two years ago, okay. I had a, um, I had a moment where I had to be hyper self-aware. And I remember that in in this circle of people mm-hmm. that I trusted intrinsically, right? Yeah. That we had had push and pull and all of this stuff. Yeah. Nobody They'd was proven themselves to be totally, very trustworthy. Yeah. Nobody was asking the right questions. I was coming in. I was like, I feel this way. I feel this way. I feel depressed. I feel, you know, this other way. And I remember I was sitting there. Yeah. And I remember, I can remember the moment because it hit me. I I started thinking through, well, why do I feel this way? And I had to say it out loud. And I didn't say it out loud at that meeting, but I remember mm. going into that meeting right. and saying it. I said it out loud by myself, and I had to say that I didn't trust God. Wow. And his oh, outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. And And I remember sitting there, and because I trusted people, because we had authenticity, because we had push and pull, and these were yeah. people I knew I could I could have this this discussion with, yeah. I was able to take something that by by looking into myself and saying, well, what is my true motivation? Yeah. And by literally wrestling with it to some extent and breaking it down, I was able to take it to these people and they were able to challenge me going forward. Yeah. And then from that point on, I was a, they were always constantly going, well, how are you doing with that thing? Yeah. Right. If, if you aren't self-aware, you have no way to push and pull on things, right? Yeah. If you're not aware of your true motivations, if everything is just level surface level, yeah. if everything is just, well, I did it because it made me feel good. No, that's not actually why you did it. You did it because of this or this or this or this yeah. or this. And if you can't break that down for yourself, your authenticity actually is broken. Because you can't be authentic because you aren't being authentic with yourself yeah. on why you feel the way that you do. Yeah, yeah exactly. I remember that. I remember that moment. I remember the conversations we had after right. that moment. Um, and I say, so in one of the classes I teach, we we talk about this um, expressly. And I have a little um, pathway I use with the students to help them sort of see how, how you know, everything we've been doing across the semester ties together. And so we're going to skip a whole semester worth of learning, and I'm just going to give you the three steps. How about that? So it's honest self-evaluation leads to vulnerability, and vulnerability is actually what you were talking about in our small group. You were, you were bringing something to them that they could have rejected you over. They could have disagreed with you. They could have, um, they could have berated you with it. They could have used it as a weapon against you. I mean, we were leaders in the church, right? They could have gone to the pastoral staff and said, did you know that Corey doesn't trust God? And, you know, I mean, there was, you had something to lose to admit that in that group. So that Mm. was being vulnerable with them. You were inviting them into an unfinished place where there was the potential for harm, but that allowed you to be authentic. And so it's honest self-evaluation leads to vulnerability, which leads to authenticity. And so when you can be honest with yourself, and that's 
what you had to do. You had to get to the place of that you were honest with yourself about how you were thinking and feeling and working. And I've had several of those lately myself. In fact, just maybe two months ago, you and I stood in the kitchen and I said, hey, I, I, there was a situation with um, my, my work um, where there was, it was just, there was an outcome that was really frustrating to me. I was, I was hurt and disappointed which would have been an appropriate feeling, was hurt and disappointed. And the emotion I experienced was actually anger. And it wasn't just like, oh, I'm indignant because I'm disappointed, right? right? Which is, again, that would have been reasonable. It was like verging on rage. I was so, so angry. And I had to stop and and, and I, I did that work. Mm-hmm. I did that first piece. Why am I so angry about this? I really shouldn't be. I shouldn't be angry. Disappointed? Absolutely. Sad? Totally. Maybe slightly frustrated because it's messed with stuff? Okay, that's fine. But there's no reason for me to be angry. And I don't actually have a right to be angry. And I don't have anyone to be angry with. So this is tilting at windmills at this point. (laughs) And so I... As a saying I've never heard in my life. So really? That's from Don Quixote. No, I never read famous Don book, Quixote. Also famous ballet. Don't bother. It's it's an old, old I believe French novel. Um, in any case, tilting at windmills. I was not um, tempted to read it, so we're good. No, but good. No, All right. Well, there you go. Um, if you loved the book and you want to provide Corey's summary, you can you can email us. Find us at breadandcup.com. You can contact us there. Oh, excuse me, breadandcuppodcast.com. Um, in any case, I was tilting at windmills in my anger, and so I, I went for a very long walk and uh, just, you know, some people might say talked it out with themselves. I prayed about it. Um, I talked to God about it. And I, I returned to the house with this, like, this moment of clarity. It was just like your moment of clarity with the I don't trust. And it took me another day and a half of praying and thinking and then I grabbed you in the kitchen and said, I need to tell you this. Hmm. And it was that moment of vulnerability where like, I have to put voice to this with someone I'm in community with. Yeah. And I started with you because you're my, you're my spouse. Actually, I think it was up in our room. Um, you're my spouse and I trust you and I knew you wouldn't reject me. I also knew you were going to tell me the truth because I was afraid that what I was realizing was giving me a free pass hmm. on some of my stuff. And what I didn't want it to be what I wanted to do was change my behavior. I didn't want a free pass. And so I told you I need to tell you this and shared my this deep personal revelation with you. And your response, do you remember? No, I don't. Oh, you were like, yeah, I've, of course, I've known that about you for years. Like, in fact, I don't think I could have put it in those words, but that's why it frustrates me when you, and then you gave me a couple situations where you had expressed frustration with the way I behaved in that. And, and it was a good thing. You were advocating for me in those moments and, and feeling frustrated that I wasn't advocating for myself. And you're like, that, that's what it was. And so we had this moment of... I'm really good at this stuff. So I'm you, are, <laughs> you are. You are super good. But for me, so the reason I think that story is relevant is, one, there was deep, honest self-evaluation. Hey, I'm having an emotion that is not actually 
in line with what the situation is. So what's driving that motivation? And it took me some time to dig underneath. Well, I feel, well, why? Because I feel, well, why? Because I feel, well, why? All the way down to, oh, because I believe X about myself. Hmm. And then wrestling through, bringing that to vulnerability with you. Right. Um, And then once, which gave you the chance to confirm or deny it, I took it then to a couple of her, other of my girlfriends who know me very, very well. I'm in definite push-pull relationships with them. Um, and they said, yep, that sounds true to me too. How are you going to play that out? Right. And then I got to have another conversation um, and and just be able to say my response was maybe what it would have been, but it felt very different to me because I was able to respond authentically I didn't voice what I had figured out. I didn't voice that I'd been angry. I didn't voice any of that in the follow-up conversation. But that conversation went differently because I was able to be authentic in it in a really unique and beautiful way. Yeah. And Well, and what I, so. And so that, it, well, it brought wholeness to the community is right. what it did. And And ultimately that kind of going back to what we were talking about at the very beginning is. Um, real relationships have these traits in them. They have these things that are indicative of our relationship with God, right? In the same way that you should be going to other people and having, and and having a push pull relationship with them, authentically saying, man, I feel this way because I took the time to, to figure out who I am and why I did yep. this and what motivated me to actually make the action yep. that I did. The same way we take that to other people in authenticity, yep. it's God asks for that in relationship with us yeah. where he says, you know what? Don't come to me. Come to me with all your stuff, right? Yeah. But know where you're at. Know what you're coming to me with. Like, don't, you don't have to fix it. I'm not asking you to fix it. Yep. But come to me broken or, or, happy or wherever you are enjoy whatever position you are but know where you are know why you're there work through those things and i have put people in your life that that you should be bouncing that off for because we were built for community we were built for those relationships yeah so we're going to wrap up this week on this topic um, but we're going to come back next week to talk a little bit further on about identifying um, health in your relationships. Um, what are some other things? Because we do think, I think that relationship is such an important part of what we are. Yeah. It's such an important part of what the church is, what the church should be, maybe is a better way of saying yeah. it. Not always what it is, but but it's the reason the church we... Church actually shouldn't be gathering for um, a, a quick song, right. a medium song. <laughs> Two slow songs with an extra bridge and a chorus tied together, and then a prayer, and then maybe another slow song, and then a really nicely done sermon, and then everybody gathers for coffee in the lobby. I love that. There's something so comforting and familiar about it, but church is meant for more than that, too. Exactly. So we're going to continue on our discussion on relationship. Yeah. Um, again, maybe we're just craving it because of COVID-19 and we're stuck at home. <laughs> but but we want to continue to have the conversation because we think it is such an important part. So it is. join us next week. Um, if you can and you have time, join us on Facebook. Join us on Instagram. Yep, you can find us comments. on both places at 
Bread and Cup podcast. Uh, We would love to continue this conversation, maybe even build some authentic community um, on Instagram, Facebook, or if you need to find us on the internet, you can find us at breadandcuppodcast.com. To join the conversation, like and subscribe, then find us on Instagram at Bread and Cup Podcast. You can also find us at our website and other social platforms linked in the show notes.